When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another game, another big game, and another defeat for the Penn State Nittany Line basketball team. Not trying to begin the podcast on a down note, but that is what happened last night. Penn State lost to Michigan State 67-58. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. This is the Hoops Podcast, Penn State Basketball. Here on Blue White Illustrated, make sure you subscribe to our feed wherever you get it. Apple Podcasts is the dominant place that people get their podcasts looking at the metrics. But Spotify, Stitcher, Bleep Blorp, I just made that one up because the, there's a new podcast platform every single day, just like there's a new podcast every single day. Nate Nate Bauer joining us on the Hoops Podcast. Nate, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. 6.30 start. You were not there until midnight uh, last night. So. No. Cup of coffee in hand. We're talking about the game this afternoon. Um, I guess start with the the place we always kind of start is just what happened. Just yeah. kind of the, the big picture of, man, another tough loss. Um, closer than it seemed, I think, at the end, 67-58. But Penn State was flagging towards the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, Penn State did not make shots. Seems to be a theme. They lose when they don't make shots. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's uh, there's a lot of ways to make this complicated. And certainly we will spend half an hour to 45 minutes talking about all those complications. But yeah, bottom line, uh, Penn State made its lowest field goal percentage of the season and made its lowest three point percentage of the season. And so when, when those two things happen, uh, look, I, I think that there's a conversation to be had that this Michigan State team is not the Michigan State team that people think it is. And I think that that's valid. Certainly uh, coming into the game at five and four on the season, that's less than expectations, I think, in most people's minds. But uh, Penn State couldn't play its worst game of the year and win. Like this, mm-hmm. it's just isn't this isn't the type of program that you could do that against, and uh, it just so happened that that Penn State did that last night, and now there are endless ramifications, really, because of it. So uh, that's it. Didn't didn't shoot well. Didn't make bunnies inside. Uh, three point shooters did not make shots, and mm-hmm. uh, you know here they are. So what's the reason for that? At home, we talk about home rim, home sight lines. Yeah. Is there anything coming out of the game that you think points to maybe why they had such a down night? Yeah, I th- I mean, I think that we can hold this part of the conversation until um, later in the show, but just this was an important game. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. And Penn State, Mike Shrewsbury made that plain. Everybody made that plain uh, coming into this one that, yes, it was partially the 
the spot in the season that Penn State was coming off of a double overtime loss. You get a home game against Michigan State. You only get to play them once this year. You get them at home on a Wednesday night at 630. They, you know, he wanted support. I think that they got support. Uh, there, there was a decent crowd at that game last night. It, it just uh, the 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 tension to me and, uh, you know, we can have conversations all day about what's real and what's not. But I, I thought it was palpable last night that yeah. they, they just they looked tight. The shooters had open shots. Uh, they did not go in at anything near a clip that is typical of of this team or, or or that has been typical of this team this season and and you know yes there are certainly some reasons to believe that early performances this season were not they weren't going to hold right they, they weren't going to last the whole year we knew that we talked about that but even a, a slight regression to the mean would would have been okay it just they, they couldn't shoot under 30% from three last night and take 27 shots. Like that. You just, you cannot do that. Penn yeah. State did and they lost. Yeah. And you're not the only one saying that uh, Micah Shrewsbury said that after the game, uh, take a listen to what he had to say about, you know, the palpable tightness that you talked about uh, during the game yesterday. I tried to heed that warning to our guys and that, you know, Maybe part of that is why we didn't shoot so well. Maybe we put so much pressure on ourselves to win this that you know we're squeezing the ball too tight because we're getting we're getting open looks, we're getting open shots. But maybe I put too much pressure on our guys, um, and that's something that you know I, I should probably be better at. Of like we got to be on the edge, um, but we also got to be loose and we also got to play free. And um, you know it didn't feel like that for us. So. How do you take that in terms of learning moment or a tactical error, you know, in, in this second season under Micah Shrewsbury? Or I guess what do you just do with that of a team that knows what's at stake and yeah. then goes out and doesn't perform? Um, you know, what, what do you think about what he has to say there? I, I think that you can get way too deep in your own head by even trying to second guess it. Right. Like even even spending time like it, it does no good for them now to say, wow, we we put too much pressure on ourselves. We have to because it becomes a consciousness thing. You're you're thinking about it and you're anyone not in the knows, moment. You're not in the moment. You're not playing loose. He, he talked about not not playing loose, but the, the style of play that they had earlier this season where they're able to make plays, play freely, share the basketball uh, and shoot with confidence, those things just ha- have not been the case, uh, or certainly over the last two games, but it, most recently this Michigan State game, uh, y- you know, you didn't see that outside of really the first 10 minutes of the game. They didn't start poorly. Uh, and, I, and I think yeah. that that warrants me- mentioning is there was a buzz in the building. Penn State was playing well. They took a 10-point lead. That There was... It was okay. It, things things were going fairly well for them. Michigan State was missing uh, some shots, but it it just did not keep up as the game got tighter. So this is a, and I hate to always ask the same questions, but they're you know when you when you're talking about a team and their identity and developing in front of you, starting fast has not been a problem for this team. They have come out and put up some big leads on teams in the first half of games, especially in the first ten minutes. Yeah. 
what are you seeing that isn't sustaining then? Well, certainly you have to to make adjustments as the game progresses. Teams aren't going to defend you once they know what you're doing the same way as as maybe at the beginning of the game. Uh, but I I don't want to extend this into a season long narrative for a team that's lost three games over its first nine. It, it, it's not really fair I don't think yet the sample size isn't big enough to say that this is a consistent issue but I I did see a team that had opportunities like those other two losses to well specifically the the Clemson game to to take a lead and build on it and just didn't didn't attack they didn't and it's a miss here. It's a miss there. It's right. Like they made four three pointers in the first, uh, the first 10 minutes of that game. Like that, that's pretty good. That That's on the pace that I think that they would like to have, but it just, it, again, it just was not sustained. And it, uh, to me, a moment that really stood out, Penn state was up 21 to 12 and Diane Johnson had a great look and in transition, uh, and it missed. And I missed. Yeah. And so that 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 swing of potentially 24 to 12 versus what actually happened, which was a bucket on the other end, it just it it shifted momentum. It shifted momentum yeah. and Penn State found itself locked into uh y- you know more of a blow by blow, punch by punch type of game. And that's that's really what it was. Uh it's yeah. not as though Michigan State came roaring back so hard as though it put Penn state out of it. No, it was close. It was close. Does this team, does this team need to win big? You know, like the, the shooting has to be on and then it's hard to keep up with them or, you know, because Jalen Pickett in the paint has been, has been good at times this year and he always gets good looks. Yeah. I know we're going to get into that in a little bit, but like, um, is this a team that needs to basically blow a team out? Or if they're in, you know, a close affair, does that favor a team like Michigan state? when we go back to the whole conversation about balance and having, you know, points in the paint and, and just presence down there and the ability to get consistent shots in the mid range. I, I think it certainly impacts what opponents are going to do uh, strategically, like uh, offensively, are they, are they more likely to force three pointers to get back into it? Are they more likely to play sped up? Uh, right. Michigan state obviously likes to, to slow the pace that uh, they, they wanted to play a half court game last night. Penn state wanted to play in transition or, or it, it appeared as though Micah Shrewsbury was saying that was, was stressing that. And once it turned into a half court possession by possession game, that very much played into the hands of exactly what Tom Izzo wants to do. Uh, and so it wasn't again, like the, this was, this was a two point game with four minutes to play. It's not, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't crazy, but Michigan state finished Penn state did the, the theme of the second half, which was missed shots continued down the stretch. And so yeah. that's how you get to that final result of 67 to 58. Do you want to talk about the missed shots now? Uh, do you want to go to, to that part of our conversation? Because we, we're going to be hearing th- from Micah Shrewsbury throughout the show, kind of underpinning, our conversations, our comments, because he he made some pretty honest assessments of himself that you heard earlier here on the podcast, talking about how big the game was against Michigan State, and they knew it. Um, yep. And then, of course, some of the other things that we're going to be talking about. So, so where do you want to go next with this? 
Yeah, I think I think that that's we can get to the postmortem. Anybody who's listening to this watched the game, uh, presumably, right. and so they know they know what happened. We don't have to necessarily spend a ton of time on that, but yeah, uh, shooting poorly. I'll, I'll just run off the numbers, and you can you can uh, get to his sound. Penn State shot 34.5% for the game, 19 of 55. They were 29.6% from three. They shot eight of 27. And in particular, one of nine in the second half, uh, of which the one was Seth Lundy's first make in the first 30 seconds of of the second half. So no three-pointers for the, for 99% of the second half. And you just, they can't do that. They just, (laughs) that's just, it's not, that's not their formula uh, to, to win like that. Yeah, and and so the question is: Are they not getting shots? Are they taking? Are they forcing it, or is it something else? And and you can hear what he has to say. He's pretty clear about how he feels about the shooting. Like I, I still like the threes that, that we took. There's a couple like that that we took that were rushed, that were quick, um, that I'd love to have back. You know, I didn't think we played particularly good offensively. We didn't move it the way we needed to um we didn't do what we were practicing either right we gotta we're gonna watch that tomorrow we're gonna learn from it they they're a good defensive team i thought they took some stuff away um but there's some i mean um picking the yeah layup passes up and kicks it out the miles like that's a wide open three right he's in the middle of paint and they double and he gets to the cam winner at the top of that's a wide open three like i don't know what more you want <laughs> you're trying to run offense to get layups to get open threes we're getting wide open threes we just didn't convert them um, you know you gotta live with it you gotta live with it. there's something I'd like to have back but you know they probably take those same shots from those same guys and this has been a conversation you know in these losses and, and what I've been asking you you know, I think it's different in some of the games earlier. I think Virginia Tech did clamp down on some of the threes, but really the one that comes to mind for me is Andrew Funk. He kind of forced a three, a little bit rushed uh, right off the uh, the pass when he was uh, coming off a screen. But other than that, as Shrewsbury talked about there, they were open. They were open yeah. in the second half. They just didn't hit them. So yeah. what do you what do you do? <laughs> what do you yeah. do, Nate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I uh, look, I think that there's a bottom line element to this, that this team is, is structured and built to shoot those threes. That is not, uh, there's no other way to do this for them. And, and yeah, like people know that. And so that creates, a certain level of difficulty, but this goes back to what we talked about in maybe the second or third week of the season where Michael Shrewsbury said, Hey, it, it's about how do you, how do you continue to do what you want to do? Even when opponents are trying to take that specific thing away. And I think they're working on it, it again. Yeah. If, the, if the, it would be a different conversation, I think if the looks weren't good, uh, they might be tougher on the whole now than they've been previously, but you, you he, he can point to them. It's, it's yeah. like, Hey, like Seth Lundy's not going to get a much better look uh, than some of the shots that he had last night and, and their misses. Uh, yeah. So the, the fact that this was a team that look, they were hitting 
45, 50% from three, uh, 40 like it took, it took until the Virginia tech loss until they dipped under 40% shooting yeah. for three for a game. Uh, and, and that was and, the kind of the, the threshold that you had talked about in terms of where you thought this team needed to be. It was about 39, 40% to be very good. Um, you're giving me the yes and no face. So but, yes and no. What, what, but the that? last, but the last two games, the last two games, both losses are 30.6% and 29.6%. Uh, they're still volume shooters. Uh, they did go away from it a little bit in the second half. Uh, uh, you know, they, they finished with nine three pointers in the second half. And I believe four of them were, were within the last two minutes, maybe three minutes. So they, they went away from that. They went more to Jalen Pickett. They were trying to, to work the paint a little bit more, but that's just, again, that's just not the, um, that's just not the, uh, you know, the formula for them to, to win. And so that's, you know, if, if, if they're going to shoot, if they're going to shoot 30%, it's going to be a huge, huge problem uh, the rest of the season, because that's the only way that they know how to do this. Yeah. Yeah, and let's talk about the other option of three-point shooting, which is Jalen Pickett down in the paint, which uh, when you when you said he's got an old man game or a church ball game or whatever it was that you said, I, I didn't quite understand fully what you meant, but his ability to do all the little things, get into the paint, be good there, I do think some of the misses maybe played with his shooting down low because, okay, I kick it out. It's a miss three. I kick it out. It's a miss three. I drive. Now I'm just taking this one. I'm just going to yep. take this one. And it led to some bad shots. But also, you know, Michael Shrewsbury, if we want to get to this now, also had some thoughts about how Jalen Pickett played. Yeah, like he went five for 14. Like, I mean, he's backing guys, like, to the concession stand. He's got to make them. Right? Let's make or miss game. Joey Hauser does the same thing. He makes his. You got to make them on the other end. I love Pick. Like, you know, dude got 17 rebounds tonight. Eight assists. Like, he's doing a lot for us. And, like, he's probably pissed. He's probably mad at, at some of the opportunities that he had there near the basket. Um, that he, damn, some that he normally makes, he just missed it. You know, and that's, sometimes that's the game. Sometimes that's the game when you're getting the ball in the paint. You got to convert like that. I, I don't. So it's it's an interesting dichotomy here because you look at he would have had another triple double last night if he, if yep. two of those guys would have hit those shots, but also then you have to focus on his makes and misses. And to me, that's really where everything dried up is uh, not to always go back to other teams and other seasons, but it is a little bit like you know Lamar Stevens when he went cold. The offense couldn't score for Penn State a couple years ago, and it feels like there's a little bit of that going on right now. Yeah, there, there's a an element of okay. Yes, Jalen Pickett is making great looks, uh, hitting hitting guys all over the floor for open shots, and they're missing. O okay, he can do two things at that point. He can draw defenders, which he did in the post, and dish underneath the basket to Kevin Jai uh, to. Uh, I don't know. He had a, he had a, he had a couple of dishes close to the basket to cutting players that were fumbled. Uh, yeah. Right. I mean, they, they couldn't even get shots up. And so like uh, Tom, Tom is, was interesting after the game because he's so complimentary 
of Micah Shrewsbury. He's so complimentary of Penn State basketball, how tough a game that is. And and there's an element of how, how much of this is lip service, how much of it is boosting yourself. Uh, but he said it. <laughs> he's like, he's like, hey, like they, they just didn't catch the ball. Uh, they're, they're, they yeah. had great looks. They just they didn't they weren't able to catch the ball. And that's uh, what you were talking about uh, last week. I think it was when you were saying things that you want a big man to do, and things that uh, Kebajai isn't going to be able to do right away or is going to struggle with. And one of them, traditionally with bigs, is ball handling, being able to get passes, and just securing the easy stuff. You know, yeah. he just he looks like a young a young player out there and this is what happens. Like this is a yep. part of your other revenue sources of points. Sometimes they're going to struggle. Is there anything? And I know that I just said he yeah. is what he is. Is there anything they can do to help him along with that stuff? I mean, you're just, you're just trying to speed up the process for him as much as you possibly can. But a, a huge part of this is he's just putting too much pressure on himself. And mm -hmm. I, you know, look, we're here talking about it. He knows this, like he, he, his body language is not great. Uh, it was a very interesting conversation in the post game with Jalen Pickett talking about how Jalen, like Jalen was saying, yeah, I ride him all the time. I, I want him to be John Hera and he's not. And, and Jalen turned it on himself and he was like, I, I need to not do that. Or I need to dial it back a little bit because uh, Seth Lundy, chimed in and was just like, Hey, you know, it's not, it's not that you're being too hard on him. It's that everyone has something negative to say, right? Yeah. Like ev everyone, not, not, uh, I'm not even talking about externally. I'm saying like everyone down the row, down the bench on the roster, 15 guys, including coaches have something right. negative to say. And there are times that I think it's becoming very clear. You, a kid like that, need some positive reinforcement because these right. are not, these are not um, challenging basketball plays that he's being asked to make. He, he, he can do this. He has the skill to be able to collect the basketball, go strong with it and finish the play. And yeah. it's just, you know, it's a matter of converting the things that he does in practice, converting the things that he has shown previously into on court action. And it just, uh, just we've all been in that situation. We've all Ooh. been in that situation, right, Nate, where it's like you're doing something in a group and like even if it's supposed to be supportive, if everyone has something to say about what you're doing, it becomes an app like it can bury you. It's an avalanche yep. of of uh, critiques and adjustments. And instead of just being, you know, that that free what what Shrewsbury said is like playing on the edge, but playing free. You yep. cannot do that if you feel like every time you do a thing, there's going to be 10 comments about it. And that is something that I uh, tell my wife regularly. <laughs> it's <laughs> this 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 goes back to why I was optimistic for Penn State's chances this season in the first place was Jalen Pickett was he's always going to get his to a certain extent. It, it, it's yeah. very difficult for anybody. And even Izzo said this, like he's just good. He's just a really good basketball player. Uh, but but teams are taking away Andrew Funk, which mm -hmm. you understand. And Jalen Pickett is getting 
defended by bigger players. And so, okay, there's option one and option two that are taken away. When those are taken away, you need option three, four, and five to, to step up. And Penn State yeah. has the players that have, at times this season, been able to step up and into those roles. But when they don't, when they're not, like, if, if you can't get Keba Jai to make bunnies around the basket, that that seriously hinders your chances. At, like, I mean, you see this. It's a, it's a yeah. nine point. This, this, it's just a different conversation from some of the situations that Penn State has been in the past when it's like, oh, you have to play your absolute best to, right. to be able to even compete in a game like this. That's not this. That is not this. Penn State doesn't have to be lights out every single night, but it cannot go blank on efficiency and contributions from its other players. And I think that that is for all practical purposes, what you're seeing is if, if, yeah. if, if those options make a couple more plays, not again, like Tom Izzo said it, these are not unreasonable shots. He said, he was like, yeah. uh, if, if I'm being honest about it, they miss some really open ones. Yeah. Why open shots? And when, when make- too, you know, oh. I think we, we kind of addressed this, but, the first one they make, and then there's some really good ones in critical moments that can swing the game, and then all that you miss those, and it's like, okay, but you're going to still play good defense. They're still going to get a shot, and you mentioned back and forth all night long, and it, this is the part that it just seems like there was a couple times the ball moved around pretty well, mm-hmm. but everything in these losses, everything looks hard offensively yep. for Penn State. It just yep. seems like everything is a Herculean effort when it you do have all these threats and you should be able to space the floor and you should be able to find open looks and it's just the ball either gets stuck or uh, you get cornered you know in yeah. certain ways yeah but but that's that's the uh it's not ironic but it doesn't look hard if the shot goes in <laughs> right like these aren't these aren't uh, i don't know seth lundy in the paint there was that one shot that looked really hard and it went in. <laughs> totally. That does, that does, it, it gets progressively harder when the shots that you're seeking are open and don't go in because then you're, yeah. you end up trying to get closer to the basket, which is what they did. They went to pick it, pick it posted up uh, really in the, the last 10 minutes, quite a bit. And yeah. it just, that's what I'm referencing just, by the way. Yeah. The, that, well, that's the, well, what I mean yeah. of what I'm referencing. Yeah, and and it and it does become hard because you've you've run out of other options, and so uh, Jalen Pickett taking the hardest shots on the floor at a higher clip than everyone else, and and looking for fouls. Let's be honest here; that was part of the plan there too, is yeah. trying to get him to the free throw line. And there were some like I'm not going to spend more than two minutes on this, but there were some officiating concerns I think of, of Penn State last night. Uh, particularly in the second half with just a few calls that look, you don't necessarily expect to happen at home. One being a very critical carry call on Seth Lundy. It, when it was mm-hmm. a two point game in the last four or five minutes there like that, it, you know, it just totally swung momentum or it stopped momentum. I won't say that it swung it, but it stopped momentum. Uh, Jalen Pickett had a look on the next, uh, the next possession that looked like a foul underneath the basket didn't get called. Um, you, you know, like 
when when we talk about one of these things, it's like, oh man, you 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 know, you really need you really need this to go right to win a game like this. Okay. Yeah. Now we've compiled five different things, right? Like five different avenues of yeah. which uh, three point shots didn't go down. Bunnies under the basket didn't go down. Uh, a, a, a couple of officiating issues where they weren't getting to the, uh, to the free throw line before late in the game. Uh, okay. Those, those compounding creates this, the situation that Penn state was in last night. Do you think that Penn state should have won that game? You know, talent and team considered that they were they were favored coming into the game. Get, but it's Michigan State, and yep. you know Penn State in these situations they have to earn that right. They have to earn that uh, they should have won this game. Do you feel based on what you saw they should have won the game? I think that Penn State had every opportunity to win the game. Uh, you know, should have is always very subject. Like. If, if, if I put right. those two teams on the course or if I put those two teams on the court 10 times, do I think that Penn state could win or would win six or seven times? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I th- like play it out again. So and that's very the- frustrating for fans. I bet, you know, that's a, that's sure. one of the most frustrating things is because, uh, you know, I think what you've set up here on the show and what we've talked about mm-hmm. this team with all these shooters is it's not going to be the same old thing. And it's not going to, but, but it, it has been so far and I'm not, I'm not trying to place that on them. I'm just saying that the results so far has come up similar and there is going to be very frustrating seeing what it should be or what it could be. Yeah, there is, there is a, a crux of this issue right now at this moment, a crossroads of, are they a mirage or are they not? Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so the, the sample size against two ACC teams and the first big 10 team that they face suggests, okay, they're definitely not the team that ran through Butler. They're definitely not the team that ran through Winthrop. Uh, Some of the better non-con wins that they have. uh, Okay. That that's fine. But when you take them up a level, when you get them into these top 50 ish type teams, top 35 ish teams, uh, you know, Penn State has not been Penn State. And so that just, it calls into question, hey, what is this team? What is this team when it gets into like or better competition? And so far, the results, I think, have been pretty frustrating to, yeah. certainly to Micah Shrewsbury and, and to the program, but also to to fans. Yeah. So um, the, the, that game is pretty much, I, I think we've put all of that in context, but losing that game, I think this, you know, what we just talked about, those particular wins and this win, Michael Shrewsbury talked about why there was so much pressure on Penn State, why he felt that before as well. No, I, um, really just anybody, like the, the, the Big Ten starting, yeah. uh, no matter who was coming in here, like we were going from like boiling water to the frying pan, it was getting hot. And the temperature is getting turned up with who's coming in here. Um, we also we get one chance at Michigan State, one crack at them. Right? Like this is this is a big game for us, and uh, and we want we wanted to play well for our fans. We wanted to play well at home. Um, we wanted to prove ourselves, and you know maybe it was maybe it was too much because um, we didn't respond the whole time. I, I thought we we started out well, and then we kind of 
backtrack too much. Gonna be honest, I'm not used to a coach being so open and honest in a post game press conference. Just yeah. the insight and, and the willing to be um, vulnerable and critical, but also even handed with all of it. It just that, there was very little coach speak in any of the things we talked about tonight. Tom Tom Izzo said, uh, I, "I mean, he, again, he, he was just he was very complimentary of Micah Shrewsbury." And he, he said, I'm paraphrasing, but he was like, if I'm a Penn State fan, I am wrapping my arms around Micah Shrewsbury and just embracing this guy and what he represents and that style of basketball and the things that he's going to build at Penn, at Penn State. I mean, he, he truly was was just glowing, uh, you know, regarding Shrewsbury. And, uh, you know, I'll just say from my perspective, that's a big part of it is he, he is so front and center there there is no yep. reading between the lines he's, he's telling you these things including self doubts and self reflection i mean all, all of those things i i just think that he's he's a he wins the press conference every week and none of it is from a fake perspective it is all in your face uh reality of like folksy disarming Ness. Is that a right. word? Disarming? I, I don't know. But Disarmament, but I don't feel like that fits. Yeah, that doesn't fit. <laughs> There's no war here. Uh, so no, it's 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 uh, it's it was it was a very tough loss for them uh, because, and this is what I want to get to next is it, it's like brutal from here. Not yeah. not from the immediate perspective but from the big 10 perspective like this was i'm not going to call it a must-win game it wasn't yeah things can always change and, th and things get better but as the schedule shapes up you've got at illinois on saturday at noon uh yep. penn state like well not just penn state most teams don't win at illinois uh, recently, within the last five years, like since since yeah. Illinois has had its little bit of resurgence here, uh, this is a top fifteen Illinois team that they are good. It is established, and now not only are they good, but you're playing them on the road. Okay, that's that's its own conversation. Fine. Penn State gets three games against should be they should all be wins at the end of December uh, in the non conference. Like that sh that should not create any problems. But when you look at this Big Ten, Big Ten schedule, it's I'm, I'm going to use Kempom numbers here at 12 Illinois. OK, uh, then they play Iowa on New Year's Day during the Rose Bowl. So <laughs> so how many fans, how many Penn State fans do you think are going to be at that game? Is that a, that's a home game. That's a home game uh, at the Bryce Jordan Center on New. Uh, uh, actually, scratch it. Scratch it, scratch it, scratch it. I take okay. it back. Okay. Rose Bowls on the second. The second, yeah, okay. Dodge the bullet from, there. Strike, strike <laughs> it from the record. In any case, nobody's going to be here. Nobody's. Gonna, it, does, it doesn't matter when this game right. is played. Nobody's right, going right. to be there because it's the, the classes out of session, you know, New Year's Day. Good luck getting people yeah. at a 530 tip at the Bryce Shorten Center. And Iowa, again, is pretty good. Then you're at Michigan. Uh, who is not perfect, but that's a good team, and you're playing them at Michigan. That's tough. Yep. <laughs> okay, Purdue is ranked fourth in the country right now. You get them at the Palestra, uh, so that's that's a game where 
I mean, yeah, you're shooting your shot because you're playing them at the Palestra and you're going to get some juice. You're going to get a bump from that, but it's still one of the top five teams in the country. Right. Uh, you, you get Indiana at home after that, fine, but Indiana's a top 10 team. Right? Like, I mean, you see where I'm going here. Yep. It's you're either you're either playing top 15 teams at home or the teams that are uh, lesser than that are on the road in horrible environments. Because right. after Indiana, you're at Wisconsin. Like Penn State never wins at Wisconsin. That that it's so <laughs> rare yeah. to win at Wisconsin. And so the next like. If, if you're plotting out the schedule and ticking off win, win, loss, 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 whatever, uh, the, the next kind of obvious advantage Penn State type of game on the schedule is Nebraska at home on January 21st. That's a month and a half from now. <laughs> That's a, in the in the bit. Now, again, <laughs> again, Penn State should be able to get three wins in the non-conference late in December that that's yeah. fine. You get, you get an opportunity there to get some mojo back. But my point is you can understand why Micah Shrewsbury and Penn state were treating that game. They wanted night. this they game had to have it. Yeah. You had to have it. And so it's uh, the, the windows, the avenues, the opportunities to get where they want to go, which is obviously the NCAA tournament and to, to finish well, to, to play well in the big 10, like they think that they have a good team. And I think that they have a good team, yeah. but you can't, it seems to be a mental thing. So it seems to be that, uh, is this a team that the light is going to turn on at some point And these things are going to start clicking where you are actually going to not miss open shots and play with some more confidence from some younger players or is this going to present different challenges against different teams throughout the year? I think different challenges against okay. different teams. And and the schedule loosens up, right? But you, you don't you cannot afford to be 0 and 6 in the Big 10 before you get to that. You can't right. you, you just it's not it, 0 and 6 heading story. into February is not setting yeah. you up to get to the tournament let alone like getting a good seed of the Big 10 tournament let alone getting to the NCAAs. You, you just you just cannot constantly put yourself in a situation where it's always an uphill climb and yeah. and he, he he's right you shouldn't there's there is no reason at this point to project that for yourself because if you do you're just going to lose it's you know James Franklin I, I hate to bring him into this conversation but that one and zero thing has to be real, and it has to apply to Penn State basketball right now. Is they they need to address the next club on the schedule, and that's yeah. Illinois. As improbable as it may be for Penn State to win a game like that, win that game, and all of a sudden the conversation is totally changed. Right, right. It's just, it's right. just. You, you, but you have to do that. You have to do that. And as these pile up, and the opportunities go down it just it losing a game like that if if pressure was something that he thought was an issue last night l the outcome exacerbates the issue it doesn't make yeah. it, it it doesn't down, diminish it it's a it's that's a, a downward spiral yeah it's a self-fulfilling prophecy <laughs> yep yeah because the more you lose the more pressure there's going to be and the more pressure there's going to be the more pressure you create so 
Um, that's the next game. <laughs> that's so that's what's coming up. Uh, but recruiting also is, is a part of the picture, and you've got some news for us on that front as well, don't you? Just very lightly, uh, only to say that um, Micah Shrewsbury was on the road last weekend. They they were off. They didn't they didn't play uh, on Saturday or Sunday over the weekend. So Shrewsbury went to see Braden, his son, um, playing for State High on Friday and then went to West town on Saturday to see Matt Gilhole, who is, who remains a very, very high priority recruit for Penn state. And while he was doing that, Adam Fisher was in Pittsburgh for a Friday night, Saturday afternoon. Um, you kind of get like a two for one recruiting there mm-hmm. because, um, it only counts. I don't, I don't know all the details, but, um, it, it counts as like one day out. Uh, because it was part of a uh, a little tournament that they had. So uh, he was in Pittsburgh to see Royce Parham, who, it, like, there's a lot of conversation about other guys, which is cool in the classes of uh, 2024. Um, but he's, he's uh, those two, Matt Gilhul and Royce Parham, are, like, one and one A right. <laughs> on, on the sheet. So, right. uh, you know, so Penn State, Penn State taking advantage of that opportunity, getting out there on the road, uh, recruiting some of these guys and and making their their presence known and felt. Uh, any last thoughts before we give the benediction? <sighs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, no, I, I look it they if they hadn't demonstrated previously an ability to make shots, even when defended fairly well, uh, then it would be different. Okay. It it would just, but they have, they have shown it. (laughs) This is, this is on film. Uh, There's a reason why teams are defending Andrew Funk the way that they are. They need to get him involved. They need to find a way for him to we understand this. Everybody understands this there. It's it's the spacing issue is going to be a problem for him the rest of the season, but whether it's what he did last night, which was get to the basket at at one point to try to Mm -hmm. uh, make them pay for the overplay or how, however it needs to come, he makes them go in a lot of ways. And uh, I I just think that that's the one thing that I, I haven't talked about yet, but, it needed to be mentioned here is they got to get him going. They got to, they got to find a way to get him making those threes because that is the engine of how they're going to have success offensively. So that is uh, something I'm going to be watching in the next game for sure. Nate Bauer, our basketball expert on the hoops podcast. Thanks buddy. Another excellent job. Another fun show. I enjoy these. As long as we've uh, strike from the record, my Rose Bowl snafu, because that was <laughs> I was like really hammering that and that was wrong. So my Dude, apologies. I'm, I'm so sorry. Done that so many times. That's all right. Well, uh, you know, you expect the Rose Bowl to be on New Year's Day because I mean, they I'm make a such a big deal about it. <laughs> I'm a traditionalist. You know this. <laughs> we'll be back next week with the Hoops podcast.